Well, all right, guys. Welcome to Renovate. How's everybody doing? Good? Great. So we're mixing it up tonight. We are taking a break from the Turning the World Upside Down series. And we thought since it's the week of Valentine's that we ought to just stop it down and uh, talk a little bit about relationships and dating and all things in that realm. So let me give you a few quick um, resources. I'm, if you know me, you know I'm a huge book reader, um, love books, and I think it's very important as you're at this stage in your life, as you're pursuing maybe your future spouse, that you need to, um, to become a student of what it means to be a godly uh, wife, godly husband. And so just a few quick books. There's tons more I could have chosen, but these are just a few. And so if you're taking notes tonight, you might want to jot down these titles and uh, maybe we can send these out in our weekly email so you can get that. But the first one is uh, Francis Chan. Y'all heard of Francis Chan, hopefully. Francis Chan, You and Me Forever. This book just came out on marriage. And, man, it's just like everything Francis Chan does. It's a, it's a heavy hitter. Um, and then this one, I, I think, is a, a, is a solid book on dating. Richard Phillips has written a book called The Masculine Mandate. Um, on biblical masculinity. He's a solid pastor, solid theologian, but he and his wife wrote this book, Holding Hands, Holding Hearts, and uh, this has been a really good book, so I encourage you to grab that. And then two other quick ones. Um, This one is Matt Chandler's new book. It seems like he's coming out with one every month, but this is The Mingling of Souls and God's Design for Love, Marriage, Sex, and Redemption. He did a sermon series on the Song of Solomon, and that was turned into a book, but everything he does is great, uh, obviously. And then the last one, this is for you guys. There's three or four different resources I could have chosen for you guys, but this one just came out as well, and I've really enjoyed uh, working my way through this. Um, it's called Hide or Seek, When Men Get Real with God About Sex. And so, um, guys, I just would encourage you to make it a, a priority to, to keep uh, studying and learning and growing in these areas. So, Tonight, we decided let's get a panel together, and so let me introduce our panel, and the way it's going to work tonight is I have this giant, enormous cell phone, looks like an iPad mini, I guess this is the, uh, what is this, the plus, Um, but I've got the, uh, this cell phone, and so we're going to put up right now on the screen a number that you can text with the question that you want me to ask. Yeah, this is not my phone, which is why it doesn't have my name up there, and I won't tell you whose phone this is, but you can text it to this number, any question you want. I won't use your name, so it's anonymous. So instead of having two mics that were running around all night passing the mic out, you can just text it in. One more quick thing on that. If we do not get to your question, you know, you have the perfect question, and you're like, Tyler, ask the question, and I keep going, and the, the end of the night comes, and I don't ask the question. We're going to take all the questions that were turned in, and we're going to create a document where we answer each and every one of those, and we'll send it out to you guys on the Renovate email as an attachment. So um, hopefully that will be a blessing to you guys. So real quick, far in, we have Brian and Jennifer Keita. And you guys, uh, you guys are experts at marriage. Y'all been married for 16 years, is that right? 16 years. They have two girls, Avery and Finley. So, um, yeah. And then we have Ben and Danielle Fuquay. Yeah, there we go. 
they're coming up on eight years of marriage, so they're experts too. There you go. And they've got a cute little boy named Charlie. How's Charlie now? About a year and a half. About a year and a half. Cute kid. Um, and then we have Kristen Hines. And I'm already getting text messages, so just hang tight for one second. But I, I like where we're going right now. Um, and Kristen is our new Life Stage 2 Associate Women's Minister. So she's on board and excited to have Kristen on the team. Wow. Um, I can almost guarantee you we're not going to get through all of these because they're, they're already flowing in. So I'm going to have to be a stud at facilitating this. So let's go ahead and get started. Okay, so the rest of the night we're going to spend on uh, this panel. And so we'll go until about 8.15 and then we'll close it out. So I kind of wanted to start this out by asking you guys just kind of a, a big picture question. You know, 30,000 foot level, big idea. A lot of young adults, as they're thinking about dating and pursuing their future spouse, uh, one thing that often comes up is there's nothing in the Bible about dating. You know, show me a text where the Bible talks about dating. Show me a text where the Bible talks about boundaries, using these words. And so what I want to ask you guys is how can we develop a game plan for dating in this Western American culture when the Bible doesn't specifically address this idea of dating. So maybe we'll start on the far end and work our way down. <laughs> all right. Lucky um, number one, Brian. First of all, thanks for having me. And my wife, Jennifer. No problem. Um, well, the Bible doesn't say anything about dating, but it does say plenty about how to treat others. And... Uh, in a love relationship and a friendship situation. And so I think that you just apply the normal rules of relationship having to the romantic uh, realm. And, I, and for me, uh, which may, may or may not get into later, uh, it's all about developing a friendship. Um, so even if like, you have this grandiose romantic ideal held up in your head, like, I think that that's kind of an unhealthy thing. And so, uh, because if you develop a friendship first uh, on that level and you keep proceeding down that road, you're getting to know the person in the context that I think God meant for us to get to know one another. Yeah, so a foundational principle would be to look at the dozens of passages in the New Testament about how to love your neighbor and uh, numerous principles about how to treat other people and then just applying that to specifically your, your dating relationship. I should have said this before, but um, I'm getting some very good questions and then I'm getting some very funny questions. Humor is good, but let's keep it clean. Um, and we're moving on. Next, Kristen. Um, I think also going along with what Brian said, where Scripture doesn't talk about dating the way we do it now, but it also talks about marriage, and there's a lot you can learn about what marriage means and what marriage is for and what is for marriage. And you can also learn about like what's not for anything outside of marriage or all that and look for, okay, this is what I'm aiming for, this is what I'm going for, but I'm not married yet, um, and look for things like that too. Yeah. Also, <laughs> um, I think too, if you're a believer and if you... Um, know Jesus, then also he's given you his spirit. And so um, 
really honing in and asking the spirit, like as you're going through situations or it, when you like somebody or something comes up to where it makes you think, oh, what do I do here? Like we, we've been given the spirit and um, I think he's faithful to answer us if we ask. Um, so that's another thing. And then um, I think you talked about guidelines. How do we find these guidelines? Is there like a list of how do I become a good boyfriend or a good date or a good girlfriend? Or what does that look like? Uh, I think for me, uh, it's, a, it's a little bit of a paradigm shift. But instead of asking how do I become a good boyfriend or a good girlfriend or a good fiance or whatever it is, it's more just asking the question, how do I love Jesus? And the paradigm shift is, I think what might sell a book more is if we advertise kind of from a marketing angle, this is nine steps to being a godly wife, take wife out of it. How do you become a godly woman? How do you become a godly man? And I think so much of the guidelines that we're looking for is that. We pursue Christ. And, and I think a lot of times we can get hung up on that, well, how, how do I pursue Christ as a boyfriend? Pursue Christ. And that should be our ultimate goal. There's a lot of offshoots of that that I'm sure we'll get into of what the nuances of that looks like. But I think an overall arching, if someone's like, give me the guidelines of how to be a godly dating person. Love Jesus and yeah. move towards him and look more like him and pursue him. And then that is going to solve a lot of those symptoms and, oh, what do I do with this and what do I do with that? Yeah, that's a great point. I, I think a lot of times we, when it's convenient, we make the argument of, well, I don't see this word in the Bible. You know, I, I see the Bible talking about sex, but I don't see the Bible talking about all the other things that we could do in the relationship. And as a result, why, why should I... Um, why should we not practice this in our relationship? And kind of along the lines of what they're saying is you, there are certain theological principles in the Bible that if you embrace those principles, it affects what you do, even if the Bible doesn't say anything about that explicitly. So we hear all the time, and maybe you guys can comment on this, about how far is too far. The Bible doesn't say specifically, it doesn't have a verse that says, this is as far as you can go, you can't go one step further. But what does the Bible talk about? It talks about, like Ben said, you know, being a disciple of Christ and pursuing Christ. And in pursuing Christ, you treat your neighbor um, uh, in, in a loving way, in a kind way. And when you're overstepping those bounds, um, it's affecting the way you treat that person. And so for, for you guys, when this question of, how far is too far? Do you think that's the right question to ask? And if so, what, how would you answer that? Well, I just have scripture that um, came to mind like earlier today when I was kind of asking God, what, do, what are we going to say tonight? And I feel like it applies to this question. Um, it's First Peter 2.16. And it says um, that we're to live as free people, but not to use our freedom as a cover-up for evil, um, but be a slave to God. And so I feel like that applies to this question to say, like, okay, like, let's look at the gray areas. How can I push this? Because I know, you know, that I um, have Christ's righteousness. I know that God's going to forgive me. Um, but really um, treasuring the fact that, like, his death atoned for your sin, and, but, and not to take that lightly to say, okay, like, where can I push this? How far can I push this? Um, that kind of like, I don't know. Uh, Grace gone wild. Yeah. Grace gone wild. That's good. Um, yeah. And <laughs> I love her. <laughs> and I, th I think 
how far is too far is often a <coughs> selfish question. It's a question of like, what can I get? How far can I go to get something I want? Instead of, you know, if we're supposed to be putting others first and loving others more than ourselves, a better question should be, how can I help this person pursue the Lord? And how can I protect this person? How can I help push them toward Jesus? And usually those answers to those questions are going to keep you from doing a lot of things that the other question would maybe let you do. Yeah, and I was, that was, that was exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> Verbatim. Okay. But uh, I think also along those lines, like any time that if you have gone that far, or which you would consider maybe too far, um, how many of you have actually felt good about that? And so I think when you have a relation, there's always this sense of guilt in some ways. And, and we'll probably talk about this later too, how to transfer the constant like um, struggle of feeling guilty if you go too far and then getting married and feeling like all of a sudden because you said I do, it's okay. That's a transition, too, that I struggled with after we were married. Um, but just being able to, like she said, being able to freely love someone else so much that you die to self. You sacrifice yourself in order to build that person up. And it's hard. Like, we're not up here saying, it's fine, and you just do that, and you'll be good. I mean, it's, it's hard to do, especially when you're passionate about someone, you really care about someone, and even if you know you're going to spend the rest of your life with them, you're engaged to them, and it's weeks before your marriage you still have to honor that because God commands that. And he, he, he gave our body, he wants us to take care of our bodies in a way that's glorifying to him. I think um, this is just real practical too yeah. on that. I love what they said. Just real practically, <laughs> one of the things that I'll tell a dude at coffee who might ask me that question is, um, some of you guys are going to hate this answer because uh, it's pretty conservative, but it's the idea of if, if that person's not my wife, I'm not going to do anything that I would do with someone else's wife. So if I'm on a date with somebody, that person might end up being someone else's wife. So as I'm playing out, how far is too far? What is this going to look like? Five years from now, if I walk into a restaurant and I sit down and there is that ex-girlfriend from five years ago and her husband, could I look him in the eyes and feel like, I didn't take anything from your wife. I didn't do anything with your bride, the, the woman who you have made a covenant relationship with. Whenever we dated five years ago, ten years ago, three months ago, that would have been it quick marriage, but <laughs> you get the idea. That, I, that idea that, man, if, if they're not your wife, you know, so I'll hold the door for a girl, I'll, you know, but um, I think running it through that grid and what would you feel comfortable doing with someone else's wife? And until they're your wife, I'd walk really carefully. I'd stay on the cautious side of that line. Yeah, I, I think it's a great point. And Jennifer, your point about your conscience guiding you. We, we did the sermon series in here last semester on Between Black and White, you know, and there is some gray area in dating um, but, but a lot of that gray area can be eliminated when you follow your conscience. So I'm telling you, if you have the Holy Spirit indwelling you and you, uh, you know, spend time at your girlfriend's house, you watch a movie by yourselves in a room that's dark till 1 a.m. and there's some things going on, I, I would be, um, I, it would be safe to say that driving home, you're feeling some conviction. You're thinking, man, I went too far and we're going to have to have that conversation I need to make things right or things get awkward. I think a lot of these situations can be eliminated if you really would uh, respond to your conscience and the promptings of the Holy Spirit. I, I really do. And I, I saw it in my dating relationships, the good ones and the bad ones. Um, I would know when I was overstepping a boundary. I would know when I was inching closer to that cliff. I would cognitively choose 
to keep going when I knew in the back of my mind I really shouldn't be doing this. And so uh, some of the questions that we address tonight, we're not going to be able to give you, you know, uh, chapter and verse and say this is exactly where it says, you know, you shouldn't passionately make out on the couch at 1 a.m. watching a movie. We can't do that. But we can tell you some things that you're now going to have to take and apply to your relationship. But I, I love the conscience aspect. And then the, the, um, what you talked about, about this could be someone else's wife. And uh, how are we to look at um, people of the opposite sex who are Christians that aren't our husband and wives? What is the, what's the term the Bible uses frequently? Our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so until you're married, this whole sexual element of a relationship should not be present. Because until you're married, this is still a brother and sister in Christ relationship. Now you can be moving towards marriage, and with that moving towards marriage, there's more intimate conversations, there's more you know, conversations about the future, and there's more of that strong, passionate, physical urge which is healthy and good. It's meant to be there. But until that marriage ceremony happens, the sexual aspect of relationships is meant on that side of the marriage, not before. That's what I would say. And then, Brian, you were going to... Yeah, I was going to say that, that it, uh, I found that it, it totally hinges on whether or not you are walking with the Lord. Because when you're, when you're in close communion with the Lord, when you're in, in His Word, when you're talking to Him, when you're being led by the Spirit, as it says in Romans, um, then you will generally always make the right decision. And when you're out of fellowship, when you're out of close fellowship, we always fail. Um, and I'm just going to tell you a, a real quick story that has been sort of like, um, it has stuck out in my mind over the years because it was like one of the times that I actually succeeded in in the Lord's strength, though. Um, and And that's the whole point. It's like, there was a, there was this uh, this was like after my junior year and there was a a girl that I was starting to like dig, but I but I also knew that like yeah, it wasn't her. This is before we we, we got serious. No. How awkward is this right now between you guys? That's no. <laughs> okay. It doesn't get too dirty. She'll get through it. It doesn't get too dirty. But uh, yeah, so there was a moment where where we were alone in my apartment and uh, it, it was it was like. It was the moment where, like, okay, this, this, this either takes the, the right turn or the wrong turn. And, um, and I knew in the back of my mind two things. I knew that, that if I w- went down the road that my flesh wanted to go down, that it was only because I wanted to do it and it wasn't for her benefit. And I just felt the conviction of the Lord. I was, I was in, a, in a time of fellowship with him, and I just felt him just say, no, you're, you're not going to do that. I didn't make you for this moment, you know. You're, you're not going to take advantage of her like that. And, uh, and I, it was like the strangest thing, because I was like, you know what? I'm just, I, I don't think this is wise for us to do. And she looked at me, the guy, usually the, the instigator of, you know, the whole physical thing, like I was from outer space. <laughs> and, um, but, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, but, but I remember she came up to me years later, uh, because she still lives here in Forth. She came up to me years later and thanked me for that moment. And that's when it would like, it, it really hit me. Like, 
the, the impact that our decisions have in a split second, in a split moment. And man, if we are walking in the flesh, we're going to make the wrong one every time. You know, it's like our, when we are a new creation, we are a new creation in our spirit, our soul, and our flesh, it is, as Paul says, it is constantly doing this. And we will not be released from that battle until we're dead in the flesh, until we die. That's when we're going to be released. And so it's like, man, we're constantly going to be fighting that, and we will always lose if we're walking in our own flesh. Yeah. A great point. Can I, can I say one? Yeah, final I think thing? everyone in here is sending a text, so go ahead. Nice. And then we'll okay. Move on. So, and this is kind of an overall thing, as Brian was saying that, um, and even what you were saying a second ago. Uh, there might be people in this room who, even as we've just kind of started getting into like crazy boundaries, and wait, wait, you wouldn't even like, we're drawing pretty conservative boundaries maybe to some of you, and that's a real, um, you're not used to that, or that's not your Stumbling background. block, yeah. Yeah. Um, and you're just thinking, wow, really? Like, you wouldn't even go that far, and this might all be new to you. Uh, I, I think we can say as a blanket over all of this conversation that we should look radical. If we're following Christ as believers, there should be something really radical. Like when Brian says she looks at him like he's from outer space, um, that is what we're getting into in following Christ. So if our relationships look like the world or they look like the world but like slightly different, right? Like we're almost there, but okay, well, we don't go there, but we still there should be something crazy radical. So if you're sitting in your seat and this is, sounds pretty radical and you're like, what? You wouldn't make out with your girlfriend on the first date or, you know, if we're saying some of the things out there, yeah. Like, you're hearing it right. This should be radical and we should leave here with this radical call yeah. to die it's, and our lives are not our own. It's very countercultural and you're going to be constantly pressing up against what the world is saying and there's going to be conflict in the way you choose to go about uh, dating someone. Um, raise your hand if you have a list of characteristics that you're looking for in your future spouse, written down in your journal, your diary, somewhere. Okay, good. Well, I'm expecting more. Maybe some of y'all are shy. Maybe the list is in your mind. I thought you were going to say Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, be proud of that, guys. Left side, no lists. Right side, few more. Okay, so here we go, panel. Number one, pro, pro list of like, I want them to be athletic and funny and tall or blonde hair, blue eyes. I want them to, you know, what are the, if you believe in making this list, what are kind of those non-negotiables that should really matter on that list? Well, for me, personally, I know everybody's is going to be different. Jesus, yes, oh Jesus, given, nailed it. Okay, that's number one. And uh, second, actually, is funny um, because humor, I think, is a huge, important part of a relationship. If you don't have humor, things get real boring. (laughs) So it just keeps (laughs) things a little exciting. And then um, I would say intelligence is important. Wow. I know. I know. There's a uh, lot of boring, dumb guys that just got really sad in this room. <laughs> They're like, oh, crap. No, there's always potential in everyone, okay? Everyone has potential. So those are some of mine. Good answer. That was the answer. Well, I mean, I didn't want to take all of them. Yeah, no, it's yeah. good. It's a good I start. think the list is dumb anyway, so I was going to just make fun of the idea of a list. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, you're yeah. welcome. Uh, love Jesus. Um, that was the right. That was the right one. Um, 
I think what I tell guys on my list whenever I meet with them, and I think it's a much harder question for girls, I really do, but when a guy is talking to me like, man, is this girl the one? Honestly, my list is usually, um, well, they wouldn't be talking to me if they weren't in some way attracted to them, but I always say, okay, well, you're attracted to this girl, but that can't be everything because one day they're not going to be the prettiest girl in the room or they're not going to be, so if, if that's what it's built on. And so then I say, do they love Jesus? Do they genuinely love Jesus? And do you think they at least attempt to love Jesus more than they love you? Um, and then would they follow you? Those are kind of the two big kind of foundational things that uh, are more like root level that I would say, man, would they follow you? Is this a girl who, if I decided to, whatever, that this is a girl who I could really lead? Um, yeah, that's good. So what about like uh, one of the one of y'all texted in, um, what, what if, you know, that, that person fits... Nearly everything on the list, but when it comes to some theological issues or some social issues like abortion or, you know, I, I, I believe the Bible is a good book, but I don't believe it's inerrant, you know, and the other person's like, you, you know, I definitely believe it's inerrant and I want to build my relationship on that. So they meet all of these characteristics and, and you're, you're seeing so much potential, but you're finding out that there's some differences theologically and with some of these hot button social issues. What do, you, what do you do with that? That was one of the things texted in. Good question, by the way. I, I, would, um, I would research the positions and study up and then just present them in a loving way and say, hey, no, here's, this is what the scripture says and this is why I believe it and why I'm not going to change my mind. But so what are the deal breakers? I mean, there's got to be the some deal breakers. Or yeah. are there deal breakers? If both of them are Christians, is it just free game? Yeah, I think there are majors and minors. You know, majors, Jesus. Yeah, being, I'd like to hear Being the, the only way, the only way to heaven, as prescribed by Scripture. Yeah. Bible, the authority of the Bible. I think um, it's tricky because I, you know, I heard this posed a scenario, one of these guys was talking about it, and I think the two that they brought up were homosexuality and abortion. And those, to me, when I first hear that question, like, what are the deal breakers? And for me, I, I kind of want to just say, oh, man, do they love Jesus? And, like, let's figure out everything else later. But honestly, I, I think that's probably unwise. There probably are some that are just right there. Abortion and homosexuality, um, those are tough if you're going to be married to somebody who has an opposite view of that. And I think it would go to is it for political reasons or is there a root misunderstanding? I think both of those issues uh, revolve around a root understanding of the gospel and life. So how I define what life, where life begins is why I take the stance I take on abortion. So that's a really core root issue. And if, uh, if I'm marrying a woman who doesn't believe that a six-month-old in the womb is life and a God-valued yeah. life, then that's a huge root issue. Um, if maybe she was just raised in a liberal home and it's more of just a political stance and I could lead her to talk about some of those root issues, but that's tough. It yeah. really is. Um, you know, I hate to see those are deal breakers, but I can't imagine those not being uh, big problems. Yeah. It might even lead into, and I think you even alluded to this, I don't know which gender has which side, but could you follow that person? So if the woman yeah. had some size, it's like, wow, I really disagree with you. Could, would you still follow me? Right, if you wanted an abortion and I didn't, and it was our child, would you submit to me and follow? You know, the, but that's tough. That's really tough. It is tough. I, do y'all have anything else on that? I, so I, I you know, I, I think it's um, 
I think when you talk about some of these surface level issues, um, whether it's social issues that the current culture, cultural climate is dealing with, and you're having these conversations, um, I, I think you can trace back a lot of these convictions that people hold to their view of the Bible and their view of um, Jesus. I really do. And so, I, and I also think, to your point, Ben, a, a lot of you have have grown up in very different uh, backgrounds from different denominations or or different. Um, even different parts of the world. My wife was born and raised in Brazil and grew up Catholic. And so we had a lot of conversations um, about what, what that's going to look like for us. And, and there were certain things in the conversation that, that for both of us, they were secondary issues, but there were also some things that were primary issues that we had to work through in order for our uh, relationship to take the next step. And those are things that, first of all, do you know your core values and core convictions? What are those things in your life that are non-negotiable deal breakers? Have you even thought enough about that to where when those conversations come up, you can speak into that? Or are you kind of wavering as to what you believe? And if so, I would just encourage you to keep pressing on that because you don't want to wait until after you're married and to when you're having children to all of a sudden realize that you have two totally different views of how to raise children and how to you know have a family and uh, this brings up another question that I get all the time with you guys when is it appropriate to bring up some of these conversations about whether this person's a Christian or not I've gotten numerous texts already about what what if the person is uh, not a Christian or what if we're not at the same place in our walk you know, I hear it said all the time, and I disagree with it, and maybe one of y'all agree with it, and we can talk about it, but I've heard it said when I was uh, in youth groups, you know, you're running the race, you're running towards the prize, towards Jesus, and you're, you're pursuing Him, and then you look to your left or look to your right, and if you see somebody running along right beside you, then that's probably the one. But in my experience, in my own personal marriage, and my experience with countless people that I've counseled, you're rarely going to find somebody that's at the exact same place you are spiritually. I mean, in my seven years of marriage, my wife has, has picked me up and encouraged me spiritually when I've been struggling, and I've done that with her. You're, you're not going to find someone exactly where you are in the race. But the key is, is the person in the race? If the person is not in the race, then it's a deal-breaker. And so why don't you guys talk a little bit about why... One of the questions was, why do they have to be a Christian? What if they do fit that list? Like, this is, this is a good person, and we hit it off. We're, we're compatible. We like each other. We have fun together. But they're, they're just not there yet with Christianity. Why in the world would I not keep pursuing that person? And maybe one day they'll become a believer, and we'll live happily ever after. Go for it. Um, <laughs> Tyler, going back a little bit. Um, yeah, I a lot of going, things right there. Oh, it's okay. Um, <laughs> I, um, I, I, I want to say that I don't believe that God ever wants us to settle. Okay, I think the best marriages are successful because you did not settle. You're willing to wait and be patient and wait for God's timing. And I think so much of, so many people right now are in a hurry to get married. Um, and if they think they found the right one, if they just meet a certain criteria, they're really nice, they um, are good to old people, um, they want kids, you know. <laughs> hey, quick, quick, quick point on that. Hold your really? thought. A big reason why people settle is loneliness. 
you get lonely, you're getting older, or your friends are getting married, and you just get desperate, and you say, you know what, I know this person is not where I think they should be. I know there's some red flags, but man, I'm just lonely, and this person seems to like me. Yes, and I have several single friends who are in their 40s that have come so close to making ginormous mistakes in a relationship because they were so lonely and so tired of waiting. And I guarantee you, God has his best for you. And if you hold out and you trust him with all you have, if you trust him with everything else in your life, this is the one thing that's going to, in my mind, make you a greater person. If, if marriage is something God has for your life, um, waiting and being patient for that person is so worth the wait. Um, settling and just thinking things are going to work out is not, I don't believe, God's plan at all. Um, if anything, it's going to be a huge struggle, and I think you've got to figure all that out beforehand. Yeah, you don't use marriage as a personal enrichment program. Or an evangelism program. Totally. Yeah. Um, I was going to just speak to, like, the same level yeah. deal. Um, and gather my thoughts. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I think that it's different for girls and guys, too, a little bit here. Like, let's say, well, hold on, let me back up. It's important <laughs> that um, you're dating a Christian um, because... The Bible says the, so. I was going to say, because, because the Bible is. says so. Because to say, like, oh, they're a good person, well, the Bible says no one is good, so... Sorry. It, it does. It says no one is good. No, not one. Even if they are and even if, even if they're intelligent and funny. That's right. And good looking. I hear you. Which is all Jennifer cares about. <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> so it, it's important that they're a believer. That, that is a non-negotiable if you are a believer yourself. But to speak to like the different levels, like Tyler was talking about, like looking over and, hey, we're running together, so let's do this thing. Um... I feel like it's as a woman looking to a man, and if they are kind of leaps and bounds behind you as a woman, I feel like that's where you get a little uh, leery um, because they are to lead. Um, so I think that's kind of a red flag for a girl when you're looking and saying, like, okay, here's this guy. I think he's really cool. He's cute, but, like, man... I don't know if I could follow him, but, and if you disagree, whatever, tell me, <laughs> tell me, not whatever, tell me, um, but for a um, man, um, I feel like I, this is part of my testimony, I feel like Ben was leaps and bounds ahead of me and just knowing Jesus when we first met, and I was just kind of really a mature Christian, and I'm so, so glad he didn't give up on me. Um, because I feel like I grew so much with him um, kind of taking me under his wing and saying, like, I can see who you are before you see who you are. I can see who God um, has you to be, and you can't see it yet, but, like, I want to pull you up to this. And I feel like because he was leading and kind of ahead of me, um, I don't think it's necessarily a red flag for a guy if a girl is kind of, uh, behind, so okay, to speak. Okay, to that point, someone texted in verbatim, Tyler, you need them to elaborate on the whole lead-submit thing. Um, so you're talk like talking about Yeah, so I, I knew that was something that, you know, was on the one of the themes we were going to cover, but 
you know, another thing in our culture that is a very hot button issue is what is this idea of submission in marriage and the the man being the head of the household and you know the whole Ephesians 5 thing um let's let's cover let's talk about that for a minute and then I want to do a rapid fire round so we can knock out some of these texts because time is flying so we're going to talk about this and then I'm just going to do rapid fire and you guys give as quick answers as you can cool um I love talking about submission actually um because I love kind of debunking it because to submit is such it's such a word that has this like negative connotation but the way it's laid out in Ephesians 5 is always um, it's like a trickle down effect like it says um, at the husband is going um, to sacrifice for the wife like and submit you're going to submit to him as he's submitting to the Lord and in that passage it says like as he's submitting as he's doing this so um, for me and I think I've said it before on a panel for uh, renovate or life stage two. Um, it, it, if a man is really sacrificing on a daily basis and laying his life down for you on a daily basis, then it is a joy to submit to that. If you really think about that, if you're being sacrificed for, and and guys like daily, not just like oh yeah, I'd take a bullet for her, because that's the easy thing really, <laughs> but like daily is the harder part. Um, but if that's happening, if he's doing that, then submitting is beautiful and life-giving and joyful. And I think that um, the world really has kind of made this like, oh, Christians are weird because of this. And I think submitting also means does, does not mean that your voice isn't heard because God has designed um, women to be a helpmate. You're a helper as a wife to your husband. And so your insight and your wisdom and your um, feelings are valid and valuable. But then you also have to back up and say, okay, I'm going to give him the freedom to lead in this. Like, here's my thoughts. Here's how I feel. But, like, you are submitting to the Lord, and I want to give you the freedom to obey him. Um, Also, sorry. (laughs) Um, Also, I feel like you're... Um, submitting to the Lord like it's his command so ultimately you're submitting to the Lord and you need to trust his design and you're submitting to um, a position of someone and not to perfection like sometimes you're going to feel like oh they don't deserve my submission because I'm doing all of these great things I'm doing these things better than he is or he's not doing this but ultimately it's submission to the Lord and not yeah, and good, great point. One other thing with that, a lot of women, when they, you know, this topic comes up and they talk to me about it, and they say that submission is scary, um, you know, and you choose, as a woman, you choose who you're going to submit to. If you're with a man, if you're dating a man, and you think submitting to him would be scary, don't marry him. <laughs> Unless he's smart and funny. Oh my gosh. Uh, go. Hey-o. You'll get it later. Uh, Look for a man who you see submitting to the Lord daily, regularly, with his whole life, and you can see the way he would lead you, and that submitting to his leadership when it comes to that would not be scary to you. 
Do you want a real life application? Do we have time for that? A real Say life that again? I was going to give a real life application of what that looks like in my life quickly. Um, so I'm going through some things right now where I'm kind of getting this job thing and uh, it kind of came out of nowhere. <laughs> and I've been a stay at home mom for quite some time and it's been awesome and it's just kind of thrown in our lives. And so my husband, in response to that, um, just to show you kind of that submission, um, coming to me and supporting me in that endeavor and truly encouraging me and then me going and working on this endeavor and being able to come home and be upset about it or feel like I can't do it and him encouraging me and lifting me up. And then he needs to go work on, a, on his worship CD that he's working on right now. And because of so much of the support and love he's shown me, and this is over 16 years, there's been other things. This is just a real now example. Um, it's so easy for me to be like, yes, go pursue what you need to do. You have been so gracious and loving to do what I've needed to do. It's just this give and take of love and serve and joy and, and doing that and not being begrudging about it or resentful, but truly in, uh, building each other up to be the best that they can be, who God has cre- created them to be. Yeah, and if I could say one last thing. Yeah. From a guy's side of view, from a guy's standpoint of submitting, um, we, as, as men in this relationship, are designed to get the short end of the stick. So like, that is what I am signing up for, is uh, I am to love my wife the way Christ loves the church. And, and the way, serve, yeah. And serve, and the way that Christ loved and served the church was he definitely got the short end of the stick, if you look at our relationship. We, as the church, are kind of this like horrible Rebellious, wife, honestly, yeah. and he laid down his life for us. And so um, I think even looking through that context... If, if you are a guy who ever uses submission as a tool against somebody, then you're totally getting it wrong. Uh, a godly man should walk into the relationship saying, how can I sacrifice, serve, lay down my life for my wife? I don't need to worry about her submitting. And also, my love for her isn't conditional on how she submits to me. My acceptance of her, my sacrificing to her, if that was the way it was with Jesus, we would be screwed. If Jesus was like, I am going to lay down my life for you as long as you submit to me, how often do we just buck his submission and say, nope, I'm going to do it my way? And Jesus says, and yet he still loves and laid down his, his, his promises to me are still consistent. So really, I think a lot of times submission gets this bad rap in Christianity, like that we're chauvinists. It should be the complete opposite way around. We should be a church filled with men who are just constantly laying down their lives for their wives or, or whoever that is, and, and then the world, yeah. Um, and I, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, rapid fire after this. I think, too, like, guys, like, start looking for ways that you can be sacrificial now so you're not, like, shell-shocked by, <laughs> like, in your marriage. You're like, oh, yeah. crap, now I have to be this person who lays down I got to clean life. up, yeah. Like, start practicing that right now, and girls, like, start practicing humility and killing your pride and like yes. I think those and are that's good. that's one of the difficulties of in our culture the age of people getting married keeps going up and up and so that means more and more years of you living essentially for yourself independent you know you have your own routines and you get really in these habits and routines and two people that have developed these habits over years and years coming together mm-hmm. makes it more difficult to have that sacrificial uh, serving mentality towards your spouse. Um, okay, so rapid fire round. Here we go. And so we've got to keep it short and sweet because they're still coming in. Um, and like I said before, we're going to address all of these and put them in a document and send them out to you guys. Okay, thoughts on Fifty Shades of Grey? Don't. <coughs> Don't? Don't. Yeah, they probably should. 
Probably shouldn't. Yeah. No, don't. Okay. How how do you? Uh, oh, I'll, I'll go to this one. This is a deep one. Can I sit next to a girl at Renovate? What? <laughs> Can, Can I, I sit, sit next, next to a girl, a girl at Renovate? Is that okay biblically? Oh, yeah. <laughs> how are you sitting? That's a good question. Is this eighth grade? Is this eighth grade? Yeah, that was a joke. That was a joke, guys. Good one, Everybody guys. relax. This is a good one. How do you know if you're meant to be married or meant never to marry? Because Paul talks about, you know, it is good to, uh, you know, to live a single life and, and put all of your devotion into serving Christ. And there's a lot of freedom that comes with being single. You know, when you get married and have children, as, as, as we know, it makes life more complicated. And so how do you know if you're the one that God's calling to be single? Okay. Yes. Do you think God calls people to be single who don't want to be single? Absolutely. Totally. I've really? got two, I've got one friend in particular that is right there. Let me hear it. I'd like and to hear she it. And yeah. she is she's in her 40s and she, more than anything in her whole life she wants to be married. Like pursues it all the time is on all the dating websites, um has had some really made some really bad choices in relationships with which I think has um, not enabled her to truly know what the beauty of a God-centered relationship looks like because um, she's been damaged a lot. And I think, you know, I honestly believe she's she may never get married. And, and that's okay because she also serves in a wonderful way with women, um, women in the Word here at Christ Chapel um, and is blessing a lot of people. She's a public school teacher and blesses a lot of junior high kids that need to be blessed. Um, and that's just one of the things, like Danielle was saying, if you're, I feel like if you're pursuing God constantly and first, it may happen, it may not. Just keep your focus on Christ, and he's going to either drop the man of your dreams there, or he, he's going to drop other things that are going to fill that void. You don't need men to fulfill your life. And, if that's, um, and you don't need women to fulfill your life. God has to be the fulfiller first. And that will just happen after, if that's his plan, I, I believe. If you're single right now, and, you know, relationships aren't working out or whatever, then you are called to be single right now. Like, you might not be called to be single for your whole life, but we're all called to be content and fight for contentment where we are. Um, if we're always looking for the next thing, if the whole time I'm single, I'm just dying to get married and just thinking about it all the time, then I am missing every single thing the Lord is trying to teach me in my singleness. And, you know, if you... and you, don't, you might not know if you're called to be single for your whole life until you die and you're single. Like, who knows? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> there's, I think there's probably no way so to know. I'm called to be, I'm going to be single forever until you are single forever. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if you're called to be single now, then be single now and so you look for what the Lord is teaching you in that. You disagree? Yeah, I, I don't. I think calling, like when you look at calling to ministry, um, when I felt a calling to the ministry, it was a, there was an excitement. There was a, a singular focus where I gave up some things that I loved because I started loving this more. You know, I was, I was in baseball my whole life, and I was coaching baseball, and that was my track. And everybody knew that was my track. But all of a sudden, I took this ministry position, and I fell in love with it, and I felt called to it. And so I was willing to sacrifice everything else because I knew this is, this is what God called me to do. I, I, don't, I don't like the terminology of being call, you're called to be single right now. I think it's you're single right now and so God wants to sanctify you. 
And the way God that sanctifies you is through suffering and through loneliness and through uh, you know, crying out to Him, being dependent on Him in your singleness. But if you're, if you're a guy and you're burning with lust, then Paul says to get married. I think people that are called lifelong to be single are those special people that don't have this, this inward sexual drive to have to get married. And I think it's part of their, their, their calling in being single. Yes, Brian? I agree. Because, Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Well, now that Let you're me, saying this, I think you're both right. I think you're well, both right. it might look different for The guys terminology is yeah. a little different and, and whatnot, but because she and I have a friend who I have had a conversation with, and he has told me that he is called to be single, and he is totally cool with it. Yeah. And he's I, like, I don't, and, he's, and he's probably mid-50s. I, I think I there's people that, yeah, he's, that are totally cool with it. I yeah. don't doubt the fact that there are people who are cool with being called to single. My question is, are there people who are called to be single who don't like that that's their calling? Right? Like, yeah. And I would say there are. I would say there's people who are called to be single their entire life, and a lot of their life they're going to wrestle with that calling. We see prophets in the Old Testament who are sure. pissed that they're prophets. Yeah. And they're like, they're called to be, can I say pissed in here? I think you can. Can he say it? Crap. Okay, so they are pissed to be prophets. We won't, we won't give this city yeah. to Ted and Bill. Yeah. We usually we'll do that every week. This evaluation we'll skip off. this week. But there, I mean, Jeremiah was really upset that he was called to be a prophet, and yet God used him in incredible ways. I think if our only, well, I don't want to be single, so I must not be called. I, I think, man, there's a lot of things I feel like I've been called to do that I'm, I kind of went kicking and screaming in, but God was glorified. And I think having an overall perspective that this life isn't about what I want to Praise God that he has given me so many blessings. But this tiny little blip of my existence from 1983 to whenever I die, 2017, whenever that happens. Um, oh, crap. Um, Why did he just what? do that? Was that a prophetic? Word? What oh, are you thinking, man? man? We're not superstitious. Just, just Keep to freak going. her out. Yeah. Starting in 27. No, you, somebody should marry her. We've talked about this. If I die, one of you guys should definitely marry her. <laughs> oh, my God. Talk, she disagrees. She needs... She, so we'll talk about it later. Talk to me afterwards. Rapid fire. Rapid fire. Rapid fire. Rapid fire. Rapid fire. Back to you. Wrap it up. Okay. But Wheels off. Yeah, so, so for me, just to wrap this one up, I, I think um, maybe there's like .001% of people that you know, God is called to be single and they hate it and they don't want to be single and they want to be married and they just have to, you know, that, that's a part of their, their journey of sanctification and suffering. And we do see throughout the scriptures that, that suffering is a, a huge part of our sanctification. But I think generally speaking, the vast majority of people in this room who have a strong desire to be married and who have a strong passion for the things that come with marriage will get married. The question is when. And, and that maybe is overly optimistic, but, you know, I, I, and one of the things, let me see if I can find the one that, I mean, this was like heartfelt. Um, there's so many coming in that I can't keep up. Uh, man. While you're scrolling. Yeah, keep talking. I'm going to piggyback on that, because I think I'm still going to push back a little bit. I love I'd what love you're saying. for you. I think, I think that that can breed entitlement. So maybe that's what I'm pushing more back about. Am I entitled to have a husband or a wife because I want it? And I think what you're saying, it's like, well, there's maybe a tiny, I think. But it's, could, the way Paul, Paul's like, hey, if you're burning with lust, marry. But he also says singleness is a gift. I mean, he a does. And, and I, think, I, think, I think the gift is for those people who are, are wired that way. Just like, you know, we're, 
I'm wired to do certain things and you're wired to do certain things. There's certain giftings that we all have in this room and we all use these giftings collectively to benefit the body of Christ. And, and so I, I do think there are people who have the gift of singleness, like Paul, for example, who seem to be able to navigate that without constantly fighting the, the urge that most men fight and women as well of, of wanting that um, physical intimacy with someone. But, but I, think it's, I think that's something, for those of you out here, I, I can't find it, but it was essentially just like, please, help me, I am single, I'm lonely, I want to be married, give me some encouragement that, you know, this is going to be a part of my life one day. You know, what, uh, and, and I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people in this room that are, just can't wait to be married and look forward to having kids and dream, you know, my wife, when we first met, it was like, what are your, what's your vision for your life? To, to be a mom and to create a, a home that is a, a great loving home to show hospitality and to love my kids and to, to just be a wife, to, be a, to support my husband. You know, and, and so what do you say to that person who's 27, 28, and they're not married and they, they just long for that? I think you just, man, you have to embrace the journey because you That's can't just, it. you can't just... It, it is so damaging and so time-wasting to be thinking, when is this going to happen? When is this going to happen? I, I got in that same boat when we were starting to have kids, and I you know, thought, oh, it's going to take forever. This is not going to happen. This is not going to happen. And I lost the journey of like just living with my husband and enjoying. And instead, I was crowding my mind with the thoughts of, what if, what if? And God has a plan. I mean, I know you guys hear that all the time, and it's this Christianese phrase, but he does. And the only thing we can do, we can't control it. We may try to control it and make things happen faster, but it always leads to disaster or unhappiness. Um, or, you know, you're dissatisfied later in life because you made the wrong choice. Um, you have to embrace the journey because God has so much to offer each day if we would just open our eyes and not get so wrapped up in ourselves and what we want. And I'm learning that more and more, just even with kids, just embracing the moment with my children and not being obsessed with, what am I going to do? Well, what's this going to look like? You yeah. Know? That's a great point. Here, here's, go ahead. And there's a difference between, uh, like, maybe what she's saying, uh, going to, like, neutral ground, which is, like, giving up, sort of, and, and saying, okay, I'll just sit here and wait on you. There's a difference between that and then saying, okay, I'm going to set this down, and I'm going to walk over here, and I'm going to hold hands with you, Jesus, and I'm going to walk with you actively. There's a huge difference in that. Because what happens is you set your little idol of marriage or whatever down. You're like, okay. And you sit and you look at it. And you're, and you're like, and, well, are you going to hand it to me? Like, my hands are open, right? Like, what are you going to do? Well, God's going, hey, listen, just forget about it totally. And the only, re only way that you're going to be able to get your eyes off of that is here. I want to I I show you this path. And I'm going to take you down here. And the only way that that happens is if you... Actively chase the Lord, and he will hold your hand and take you down. And pretty soon, you will have forgotten all about this little, nice little porcelain doll here you made for yourself. And scripture tells Duh. us <laughs> that, um, that Jesus can identify with us in all of our struggles, and that includes loneliness. Like, if, if someone in this world was ever lonely, think about how lonely Jesus must have been. People abandoned him at his greatest time of need. He gets it. So 
it's always easier to deal with something. You know, when you talk to somebody who's not struggling with what you're struggling with, and they're like, oh, I understand, and part of you is like, no, you don't. You don't get it. <laughs> he gets it. So take it to him, because he wants to walk you through that. And he wants you to love him more than you love the idea of getting married. Also, That's just real point. quickly, I want to say, um, we're not, God blesses us and gives us good gifts, but we're not promised these things. We're not promised these earthly treasures, but we are promised him if we're believers in him. So where's our hope set? Yeah. Um, I, I, if, to answer that question, you're Which in the question? room and you're wrestling with, oh, yeah, I'm single, I'm, I desperately want this, seriously help me. Um, Really, I love, I love you. You are loved by this church. You are loved by the God of the universe. You are his precious daughter. Um, and I, I want you to be married. I want you to have a husband. I want you to have a wife. I want you to know what that's like. But I do think there's an element where we're not promised that. Like, it would be unloving for me to say, well, it's going to happen. I don't know. But I, what I do know and what I can promise you, whether or not you trust it or believe it or not, is that he will be enough. And that's the lie that I think you got to battle. I think, man... I want you to find I think you can find it. I think God is going to do awesome stuff. I think the majority of you will find it. But for those who don't find it or those who are even wrestling in the in-between time, finding now what, what we've all been talking about, I do promise that he is enough for you and he is better and, you, and he is now present for you. And so maybe marriage is an idol, like what Brian's talking about, that we just got to kill because after marriage, it could be an idol of kids. And, and that is they an just increase. Yeah, they increase. It's just There's more for another thing. And yeah. So I'm not going to promise you that you are, but I'm going to promise you that he's better. I promise you he's better, and he's enough. Hey, so I hate to him. I hate to do this, but I, one thing you said. Rapid fire. I know, I don't know. Rapid fire. It's not, it's not working very well, is it? Okay, no, no. Just really quickly, really quickly, because it's, it's super practical. Because I've watched my my sweet wife counsel a few of uh, single friends that she's she's been talking about. And some of the stuff that I hear her talking to her on the phone, I'm like, what? She did what? So I'm seeing patterns of behavior where, honestly, like some of it falls on her. Not her, but <laughs> the single one, you know? It's like she's, she, she's like doing stuff and like things like being super clingy, you know? And I understand that because, you, you know, you're like, when somebody comes into your space, you, you were like, oh, come on, let's hang out, you know? But, like, there are some things. You have to get real with yourself and say, okay, let's hold the mirror up. What are some things that might turn guys off from me or, guy, or girls off from me? You have to get honest. And you know who's really good at that are your really good friends. And you just give them carte blanche and say, hey, listen, like, sit down with me. Is there something that I do that just pushes away... Yeah, yeah. That's a no. practical, and it's a very hard thing to do, but it might yield. That's, that's good, and, and um, man, one of these texts, if you're called to be single, are you called to be celibate? And I think the... Uh, yes. In the rapid case, fire. Yes, rapid fire, yes. that's an easy one. Rapid yes. fire. Yeah, but yes. I, I want to I also say the world has a whole different definition of wanting to be single. A lot of guys and gals 
want to be single so they can play the field and not be tied down with one person. So that's not what we're t- talking about when we say called to be single. Yeah, that's a good like to give you a bunch of options and not have to be tied down. I'm called to sleep with lots of different women. That's yeah, not that's what we're not talking what about. we're talking about. So just to clarify, this is for Ben. What is the airspeed veloci- velocity of an unladen swallow? 70 miles an hour. 70 miles an hour. Good. Good one. Good answer. Who, who, who sent that in? I'm going to punch you. Um, okay, this is a good one. Rapid fire. Uh, why are men these days afraid to pursue women in person and decide to use social media? Because we're cowards, right? That's literally what I was going to say. Because they're scared. That's okay. We're scared. Okay, yeah. and then women don't be desperate enough to let them do that. Good. Make yeah, them step don't respond. Up. Okay, and on the guy's side, one of the texts was, "Why do why do girls so often want to pursue uh, bad boys?" In quotation marks. Because they're sinners. <laughs> no, but seriously, there's a, there's a pattern where women, when they're younger, pattern generality here, you know, generality. But they do like the excitement of being with a guy who's a little unpredictable. And there we go. I'll give you in one second. I was that girl. And then when they're ready to settle down, they go find the nice godly guy. And that's, that can be frustrating for guys who are trying to run the race and, and feel like they're missing out because of that. So. so I was pretty young. I was like 15, but I dated a really awful just a very lost guy. He came from a very abusive home anyway, so he had that baggage that was kind of making him who he was and defining him as a person. He was an alcoholic, drug user, um, just desperate need of a savior. And I was at a place in my life where I was extremely vulnerable. My parents had just recently separated, and I didn't really understand the value of myself and who God had created me to be. And I think you're looking for that void to fill to make you feel like something more. And there's something about the dangerous, crazy guy type that I think sometimes for moments makes you, because they're so, um, what's the word? Manipulative. (laughs) Both of those are real good, but not the one I'm looking for. Um, Charismatic, maybe? I don't know. Uh, Just, (laughs) anyway. yeah, I just think I, I didn't understand the value of myself and realizing that I was worth so much more than that. Um, I'm with you, like totally. Does being Agreed. a godly man mean being a nice guy, like a really nice guy who kind of, you know, doesn't, so. doesn't have convictions? And, you know, talk about that for a moment because I think a lot of guys think... Like Ned Flanders guy? Yeah, like Ned Flanders. <laughs> no. Ben is so hardcore. Have yes. you seen him? Yeah. How much? Yeah. I'm super hardcore, guys. I'm wearing a backwards hat. I might even have tattoos. You don't know. I won't tell. By the way, Ben, Ben, velocity is measured in meters per second, not miles per hour. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Sorry. It's a side conversation. Don't worry about it. Um... Okay, let's see here. This is a good one. If you're getting into a serious relationship with someone and you're going to different churches and you're plugged into different churches, um, when, when, do, when is the time where you make a decision on whether to get plugged into the community that your girlfriend or boyfriend is in and, and how do you navigate that? 
Um, man, that's a good one. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it because yeah. I don't think it's a real um, formulaic answer. I think it's one of those things that you're checking out the churches. I do think there's an importance to submit to one local body and a group of elders and a pastor. So spend some time figuring out what you all both feel comfortable with. Um, and yeah, going in that direction. I don't know that there's a formula for that. It's a great, it really is a, it's a mature question to ask. Uh, I just don't know I have a solid answer other than explore okay. and then settle. Okay, another one. If you're the girl, can you make the first move in dating? What does that mean? Like, that means like asking initiate? the guy. Well, I mean, I know date. what it means, but I mean, what do they mean? You know what I mean? Like, can you ask? <laughs> <laughs> like what kind of move? Like call them first or like move? Okay, let's start with... Oh. Can, can I, We'll, we'll assume it's not too making far. a move. Yeah, we'll like, start this yeah. kind of move. We'll so can the girl initiating. make that first phone call and, hey, you, you want to go on a date? She'll pass thing. the note that yeah. says check yes or no. Yeah. It's a legitimate question, I'm old-fashioned. I think the guy needs to make the first move and you just be patient. And if it's meant to be, he will. And, and I know I was born in the 70s. <laughs> Things are different. But there are ways, ladies... <laughs> <laughs> to make it obvious to right. the man folk that you're interested. I agree with that too. And I think if they're if a guy is dragging their feet <laughs> I think a guy if a guy's dragging their feet and you want some clarity there, you can ask like, Hey, like what or what is gonna happen here? Like <laughs> like nice. actually that's kinda what happened. Like do I, you eat do you eat food? Like Ben texted me once and said Something about hanging out, and I called him, and I was like, did you just mean, like, just us hanging out? Because we hadn't done that yet. It was just, like, a whole big group, but he, something alluded, you know, alluded to, like, hanging out, and I was like, uh, like, one-on-one, or what? And so... She she boxed me in, bros. She totally (laughs) boxed me in. I was like, hey, let's hang out sometime. I'm home from Christmas vacation. You're home from school. Let's hang out. She was like, when you say hang out, do you mean you want to take me on a date? Or do you mean you want us to hang out in a group setting where there's nothing romantic going on? She totally b- boxed me out. And then I had to say, I want to date you. Yeah. And you didn't Okay, and then we had a baby. Fire. Rapid fire. Uh, <laughs> seven years later. Hey, is, is there ever a place for casual dating? Or should it always be with the intention of, is this a person that I want to marry college post-college to find casual dating <laughs> yes that's exactly what we're talking about flip-flops <laughs> flip it casual dating like you like the person you know you're not really you don't have any intentions on getting married well, anytime soon you just want to you you want to have that that dating those feelings and emotions but no intention of getting married that's selfish I Boom. <laughs> I mean, I think if we're, we've talked about this a lot, but if we're Sorry. supposed to put, what? I was giving you a high five, it's cool, I'll get oh. you later. Yeah. Thank you. Um, if we're supposed to put others before ourselves, how are you doing that as just casual dating? I've, no, I've had guy friends who are like, uh, I just want to take a girl on a date, I just think it'd be really fun. And sometimes they don't understand what that indicates to a girl who's being taken on that date, and the how you're playing with someone's emotions or feelings to get something, a feeling that you want. Totally agree. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I think I agree. I think um, dating is for marriage. Dating is for the purpose of marriage where I kind of, it's not that I disagree, but I think, 
yeah, you might need to date somebody a couple times to figure out, you know, because it might be, well, obviously dating is for marriage, but I don't know if I want to marry this girl, so I need to date her casually yeah, to I get agree to that with point. That, but your, but your, at some your point, intention is, man, I want to see if this is a girl that maybe there's something right. there if, for I think the it's future. an intention-based yeah. thing. If you're just dating a girl that you know there's no way I would ever spend my life with her, then that's selfish. However, I think that there has got to be a season where I have no clue if I'm going to marry her. That's why you date. You out on a date, like don't panic and be like, oh my gosh, am I gonna marry this person? Like, <laughs> calm down, <laughs> for real. And and I think it's okay if a guy asks you out to say yes and go out on a date with him, and and then figure that out after you've gone on that date. I think going on a date here and there with somebody to see if there's somebody you want to marry is fine. I think if you continue to have this emotional crutch with somebody by casually dating them or faux dating them, that's where you get in the wrong. Okay, we're going to go to 8.30, so if you need to leave, you can slip out. I, we're 8.19. Ten, Ten more minutes. I've got two or three more questions, but one of them has to do with, and these are kind of summing up several texts that were sent in, but how do you know if he or she's the one? And then with, with that... This idea of falling in love, like your soulmate is somewhere out there and it's that one person. Those are a few things, but let's talk about that real yeah. quick. Uh, you want, yeah, you want to start that one? Well, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know, know that, like N-O-W twice, uh, that she was the one. I had suspected that she, I just knew that she was way different from any other girl and I was attracted to her because of that. <laughs> And one of the indicators, and I find, and I, like, even looking back on it now, I think, man, it was really strange. But I, I really do think it was God protecting my heart and my mind. But, you know, we, we were friends for years before we even started dating. Like, six years, something like that. You know, good friends for, like, three or four, three or four of those. And, like, I never, it's going to get serious here. I never, like, would lust after her. <laughs> I know, that sounds offensive, maybe, in this day and age, right? But, uh, no, I mean, she was beautiful. She is beautiful. But, like, I never, like, you know, went there in my mind with her. Huh? I mean, yeah, yeah, friends, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and so I that think... That was not my situation. I think... <laughs> That is awesome. <laughs> and it's, it's obviously not because she's not attractive. It's because I, I think that God had put a, a literally like a Holy Spirit barrier there and was like, no, 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 you're not going to think about her in that way. Like, it just didn't even cross my mind. Like, I, I really think there was a supernatural something going on there. That's awesome. Um, I, uh, I think that idea of have you found the one or you're looking for the one or the whole premise of The Bachelor, right? I think it's a horrible lie, right? Like the idea that, okay, which one is the one? Like there, there's such a lie that our world produces that says, man, you've, there's this one person out there and you've got to find them and, and you've got to make sure that all the magic is there and the chemistry and all of that stuff. And I just think that's such a shallow perspective of love and it's such a misdefinition of, of what love is in this beautiful covenant relationship um, that I think that can be such a trap. 
And I've seen people who have fallen into that trap and they bounce from one person to the next to the next. And then I was actually talking to somebody about this recently. I think that idea of you got to find that one where all the magic, like it's just things click and fireworks go off and you're walking down the street. And, like the movies. Yeah, like the yeah. movies, that idea. I think that leads to more divorce and adultery than anything because I think I would love to see the movie that, you know, 10 years later after the sweet romantic scene, it's like, oh, well, now this person I feel all those butterflies about, and my wife, I don't feel those butterflies about. I, I just think it's such a shallow lie that our culture sells us, that there's this magical chemistry thing that's got to happen that um, is dangerous. Okay, so can you, um, or should you, uh, you, going back to that list that everyone has, they've got all of these characteristics, they're godly, but you don't quite have that physical attraction, and you think maybe if I stay, keep working on this relationship, then maybe that physical attraction will come along. How important is physical attraction when you're pursuing someone? Yeah, man, that's a good question. I've walked with guys who have wrestled with that, and um, I don't know how to answer that. I really don't. I've, somebody's got a better answer. I think, uh, I think physical attraction is probably it's going to be a part of it, right? I it's it's going to yeah. be an element. There's going to be sparks, and there should be sparks at times. But I think what Hollywood would sell you is that. And that is the foundation of the relationship. And those things will change. I think they will mature. Right? Like I used to get just crazy butterflies being around Danielle all the time. I don't get butterflies anymore. Um, but our love is much... <laughs> she is so pissed. Um, you said it again. But our, I know. That was Brian who I said know. that for the CD. But our love has matured in a way where that's not... I, I didn't base our foundation on oh my gosh, there's so much chemistry with this person. Because I think we change. She is a different person now than she was when we started dating. And I'm a different person now. And so I think, man, love is this, as this picture of a covenant that is with one person. But I think this like search for one... Yeah, and there, needs, there needs to be a level of physical attraction. It needs to be a, 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 a part of a, a whole group of things that you're looking for. But it needs to be there. If it's not there... It, it, it's, it's not there, and you, you can't manipulate that. It doesn't need to be the primary thing. It doesn't definitely doesn't need to be the only thing, or you're heading down a very dangerous path, but there needs, it needs to be there. Um, because Brian and I were such good friends, like I, I didn't see him that way, and so I didn't find him like so attractive at that point. I'm so <laughs> glad I invited well, him to the panel. I was dating someone else at the time, too, but that's another story. Um, and the thing is, what I find completely hot and, and sexy about this man, even now, is how he treats me, and how how he, how, how how you treat me. <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> how he treats me, which is with honor and respect. Um, he is so tender and so kind, and not just with me, but he's that way with everyone. And I tell you that when you're first dating someone, when you see the way a guy. And they, you know, people have said this before: the way he treats his mom, or treats other women, or other people—that is a good indicator of how he's going to treat you. And I can tell you, when I would be with my girlfriends, we hung around all the same people in high school, and we were just friends. And I was always telling girls, because I was dating someone else, like, "Boy, the girl that marries Brian Keita is going to be one of the luckiest girls in the world. He's just so sweet. Like, he he always walks on the outside of the of the sidewalk by the cars, and like opens the door for me, and I'm just his friend." And you know, it's just, it's amazing how, how attractive someone becomes more and more, the more you know. And obviously, I mean, you can look, he's very attractive and cool. Gorgeous. Brian just, Brian just, text, Brian just anyway. texted me and said, tell her to keep going. So, <laughs> we'll, uh, okay, two, two final ones. As you're getting into, as the relationship is getting more and more serious, 
um, a lot of these guys and gals have good close friends of the opposite sex that they still have friendships with. And this is one of the ones that was sent in. Can you keep these close friendships with other, others from the opposite sex as you're getting more and more serious with this one that you think is the one? Not one-on-one. Like if your friendship with this guy or girl is one-on-one and then you start dating somebody else, I don't know. If that's just, yeah. Yeah, like who are you pouring your heart out? Who, who right. are you going to if with your this, pro? Yeah. yeah, if this friend is like this emotional crutch for you, if there's like this emotional intimacy in your friendship, you're kind of dating them and not yeah. really being their friend. That's God's design for marriage. So at least at some point, that's going to come in conflict if you're in a serious relationship and you've got this friend who's always been the person... You talk to, but talk to. At some point, there's going to have to be a shift. Yeah. Otherwise, it's going to be really awkward if you have a wife, but then you have like this girl who you share all your emotional stuff with. That's going to get there. Needs to be a natural you. shift. And I think before you get in that relation, like a relationship, you need to think about what your friendships with the opposite sex are like now. If you're if you're in a friendship with a guy, good point. Um, and you you're in a friendship in a way that you wouldn't be if you were married, then you shouldn't be friends that way now. Great point. Okay. Uh, communication. Like, when do you have the talk about, um, you know, your, your testimony, your spiritual journey, or your Christian? What are your beliefs about this? What are your, you know, kind of the deeper questions, philosophical questions? What, is your, what are your dreams for the future? Marriage and where do you want to live and all of that? Where this has been, there's several of these that have been texted in. Sure. When do you have those conversations? Is it the earlier the better, or you need to make sure and wait, or you're going to scare them off? I would say deal breakers for a quick answer. Deal breakers early. So are they believers? Are they you know good, some yeah, of those things we talked about earlier that and maybe they're kind of you're not sure if it's a deal breaker, but it'd be important for you to know so that you know am I dating somebody that I wouldn't actually ever want to marry because. We believe just drastically different things about life or raising kids or whatever. Um, and then I would say, how ready are you to marry this person? So if you're in a place where it's like, man, I am not looking to get married, well, then I would say you don't ramp that up. Then you're, yeah. you don't. Um, but if you're saying, man, I'm ready, and if the Lord brings somebody in my life, then I would say you would want that to match uh, that level of spiritual leadership, that level of spiritual um, intimacy would want to match kind of the progression of your relationship. Yeah, and I, and I agree. And I think when it comes to like a testimony, like tell me, you know, if you if you go out to coffee with a friend, one of the first things you ask, and one of the first things I ask if I'm going to coffee with one of you guys is, tell me your story. You know, where are you from? What's your background? When did you become a Christian? So I don't think that's something that you should be scared of asking in a relationship. I think that's a great building block on whether you want to keep going in this relationship or it's or it's not going to work. So. Um. I did the same thing, but, but instead of saying, um, because the word Christian has been so messed with, I feel like, I, I, um, I ask, what, tell me about your spiritual journey, because yeah. I feel like that way you're going to get a more authentic answer. You leave room for them to you leave room. go where yeah, they, they want to go. They, yeah. You're like, oh, red flag popping up here yeah. and there, you know? Yeah, that's Whereas a good point. if you just say, hey, tell me when you... Accepted Jesus, you're like, well, you, you, you give them all this false ammunition, possibly. Or, depending on their background, they might not have the verbiage to, to yeah. articulate. So you, you want to get to know them yeah. authentically, so you know, maybe use terminology that might draw that out. Okay, so perfect way to end. This was the most texted uh, question. It's the one that we had decided before we even started this we were going to end on. 
what about the past mistakes I've made sexually? And um, my wife and I made past mistakes sexually that some we addressed before we got married and some after, and it was extremely difficult. And uh, I, I wish I could go back and undo some of the things I did. And, um, but they're a part of God's... You know, God, the beauty is when, when you're a follower of Christ, God takes the good and the bad. God takes your sin and He molds you with it and He shapes you and He makes you uh, a different person because of that. But a lot of texts on... All this is great, guys, but my current relationship, we've, we've gone too far. Or we've gone past the point of no return. Or I've had previous relationships that just were a disaster. And now how do I even... What if I tell them about that and, and things are going great and it ruins it? So let's close by saying, let's close with the gospel and how that applies to the sin in our lives. Um, one of the most beautiful moments in my entire life where I felt like um, I saw the gospel so clearly and felt um, so valued was um, when I confessed to Ben about um, past sexual sin that I had committed, and um, his response to me was so beautiful. Um, and I know that it was because of because he was walking in the spirit and not walking in his flesh, and I didn't disappoint him. Um, and it just really showed me um, God's heart towards me, um, not to excuse those things, um, but to kind of call me out of that and um, call me forward into um, who I am to walk as or who I was to walk as. And so, um, and I remember just being so scared um, that he was just going to run um, when I told him that because I had him kind of up on this pedestal and he was like this good guy but still hardcore. And, <laughs> and so I was really scared. What a great that, combo, Yeah, ben. yeah. <laughs> but I was really scared that he, like, because I was believing all of these lies that um, I was ruined, that um, no one was ever going to want me or to want to marry me once they heard these things. Um, and then he just got to kind of scoop me up with the gospel um, and love me in a way that I didn't know yet. Um, and so I just want to encourage you that if you're in a place where all of this, all of these um, things we've been saying um, are weighing really heavily on you because you feel like you failed and you, maybe you have failed in um, just walking in purity, that um, if you have repented from that and if you're like actually walking in repentance there, then like you're forgiven and you're washed white as snow and there is freedom for you in that. Um, and I think that's actually a great attribute to look for in someone if they've been broken. You know, if they've really seen the grace of God over, overflow them, flood them because of sin, it changes a person. As opposed to the person who's really had an easy life and they've never really struggled with, with sin and they've never really experienced the forgiveness and grace and mercy of God. They've kind of just walked this moral you know, good life and kind of had it easy, I, I would choose the person who's been broken and really uh, is just clinging to Jesus over the person who 
thinks they kind of have it all together and, and they're, they've got a pretty squeaky clean past. That's my personal <clears throat> last thoughts thing, on that. Yeah. My last thing I'll say. Um, yeah, I think a couple things. One is um, from the perspective of somebody who did, has followed this list, right, and done everything right and did the church thing and didn't make the big dramatic, you know, sexual mistakes or whatever it is, um, that that they see people the way Christ sees them, that there is a reality, their perspective, that no, we're broken. I, mean, we are bro- I don't care what your testimony is. If your testimony isn't death to life, then you have missed it. Um, and so we are all walking from death to life, and we can celebrate this complete darkness to complete light. Um, and so one of the things I want to say, and even this gets back to the idea of like different levels of Christianity, um, my favorite definition of masculinity, so this is more directed at the guys, is Adam, who uh, is his, the command that he's given in the garden is to speak uh, order into chaos, to, to name the animals. To, okay, these are zebras. They're going to hang out here. These are, and this picture of masculinity, that our role is to speak order into chaos. And what an awesome picture of Christ to be able to enter into someone else's life. I, I don't care if it's dating or your family or your workplace, but to be able to step into that and say, this is a mess. And not say, well, wait a second, they broke all these rules that we talked that relationship panel. We talked about all the right ways to do things in the wrong way. They have filled up the wrong way list. To step into that and not leave tonight with this judgmental heart and added more rules to follow and added more things to check, but instead say, this is God's way. The man we live in a broken world. A man we are broken people. And that we could step into that with this wisdom, with the perspective we're talking about tonight, but with such grace for other people. Such grace because we have been shown such grace. I don't care how well you follow the rules in your life. We, you have been shown such grace because you deserve death. And that you can speak order into the chaos of this world or of relationships or people who are broken. And certainly with Danielle, when I met this woman, she is a godly woman. And I could see it. And it was so true that this was a woman that the Holy Spirit was like, this is my girl. This is my girl. And yet she's sitting here telling me, I'm used and I'm broken and this and this and this. What an awesome opportunity to say, that's a lie from hell. Like, that's not true. Um, So for one, just to encourage all of us to be people who don't leave here with a longer list of ways to do this thing right. And 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 judge people on their past. And judge people on their past. And then also what Danielle said, that if you're in this room and you're thinking, crap, I did everything wrong. I have messed up. I've got a past. I'm in a relationship now. His grace is good. Tomorrow morning, his mercies are made new. You are love. He wants something better for you um, if you're in that relationship. Now, he wants you to repent, like Tyler was saying. Um, but man, what he has for you is so good. And if you have walked through just horrible stuff that's happened to you or you've chosen, you are made white as snow. You've got to hear that. Yeah. That's a promise from the Lord. You have been made white as snow. And so that misplaced shame and that misplaced guilt that you're carrying around, that is not from the Lord. And so just leave that here tonight when you leave. And just be like, man, I, I, I just don't want anyone to leave here thinking, golly, I blew that list. Yeah, out and of you may, can I say something? You, you may, uh, as he's saying that, you know, I'm picturing some of y'all thinking to yourself, well, you know, I've said that over and over to the Lord, you know, like I, I get, and, and I still feel burdened. Uh, sometimes we hold on and we don't even know we're holding on we're holding on to to guilt we're holding on to shame and and it's like we're it's like a backpack of all this burdens and yeah we've taken it off our back but we're still holding it with our hands and we're and we're giving it up to the lord saying here take it but 
grip is just still like iron on the straps of that sucker. Um, and so maybe, you know, examine your heart and ask the Lord to show you, have, have I really given it up? Have I let go of my death grip on the things? Because that's, that's part of how, how uh, Satan gets us and part of how our own sin nature is just so twisted and messed up is there's some, something about like being mired in our own sin that we, we, we need or something. It's like that messed up thing going on eternally. It's like you, you, you need God to reach down and, and he, he wants to do that, you know. He wants to do that, but, but really it's, it's, sometimes it's up to you to just fully let go. So the, so the key principle for you guys, don't evaluate somebody on their past. Evaluate them on their present. Whether that's a very ugly, sinful past or a past of, hey, you know, I gave my life to Christ when I was seven at youth camp and, and that's what I'm clinging to when where you're living in the present is not where you need to be. You see what I'm saying? You don't judge people on what they've done in the past. You, you look at who they are in the present. And that's what Ben saw in Danielle. He saw a person that in the present was loving Jesus and the Spirit was in her life and she was seeking the Lord. And so the, the past is something to deal with, but it's not what defines you. Um, and so I think that's a good place to end always is with the gospel that, that Jesus, um, and, and it's why, once again, it's why we call this, minute, this event Renovate. Jesus loves to take broken houses and renovate them and redo them and refashion them and and make them better than they were. And we're all broken. Everyone up here, on if we really opened up the curtains, you would see just how broken we are and how God has just extended mercy after mercy. And uh, He can do that to you as well. And so if you're in a relationship right now, I would love for you to take advantage of these, these things being brought up to have your own conversation afterwards, maybe this weekend, maybe on your you go out for your Valentine's date. Maybe talk about some of these these core issues that have been brought up. Okay? And uh, do you want to add to that? Yeah, add to that. I was just gonna say. Okay. Whenever you're ready to Yeah, so I, I would encourage you if you're in a relationship to have uh, continuing conversations. And if you're not in a relationship to when you, when you go hang out with your buddies tonight or tomorrow night to really, you know, think about some of these things that maybe we didn't address or addressed and, and keep wrestling with these, these issues. But uh, thanks for coming tonight. I appreciate you hanging in there with us. We've, we've gone over. But, uh, I mean, there's so many texts that were sent in. We'll try to tackle those and send them out to you. Why don't you close us? Let me pray. Lord, uh, Father, sweet Father, we love you. Uh, thank you for the way you love us. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for uh, your word to us. This book of life, this book that reveals who you are, who you say we are um, in, in context with you. Uh, we just praise you for it. We pray that we would be people who can dig deep in your truth. Um, and we, we could be people who learn to do this life well for your glory, um, that we could operate in our design um, and that that would be such a sweet, glorifying thing, not just because we're going to get to earn some heaven prize, but because you have designed this to work, us to work in a way that um, is so sweet. And, and we, we want that for ourselves. I want that for my brothers and sisters in this room. And then, Lord, I lift up the daughters in this room who, uh, who might be feeling um, 
just attacked, Lord, f- over the last maybe decade of their life of feeling like they're used or broken or they've ruined themselves, God, and just remind them um, that you are their father and what you say about them and who you say they are, God. Would you just um, take their, their face in your hands and just speak into their life uh, this truth that they, what was once crimson is made, made white as snow, um, that, uh, that that's such a, a beautiful picture. And that you would remind them of that and who you are. And then the, the brothers of mine in this room, these men in this room, that uh, same truth, God, the, the baggage, the shame maybe that they're feeling, like maybe they haven't done it right or haven't done it your way. God, you're good and you're better and you are a God full of grace who desires to renovate our life. And would you make us men who can uh, not only see the truth in our own life and who you say we are, but also speak that truth into the world around us. Uh, God, all of us, may we be those kind of believers. Uh, may we be that kind of kingdom of God. We love you. We thank you for Jesus Christ uh, taking all of our junk, all of our brokenness, all of our doing it wrong for so long and, and taking it on the cross and paying for it and then, and then rising again. Um, we praise you for it and we claim it over our lives. In the name of Jesus, amen.